Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. My name's Chris. And I'm Gary. And this week we are discussing a film I have been dying to see for many, many years. Um, love most of the cast. Love the director. <laughs> most of the cast. You'll know, yes. Um, I, I just, yeah, it just seemed like, on paper, my kind of thing. Like, yeah. th- this is Chris. This is, Chris is going to love this. It's partially true. <laughs> the film is She-Devil from 1989. It is. Um, stars. Well, we'll get into who yeah, stars. And but know, this is one of, the, one of the reasons why I really yeah. wanted to see the film was the stars. You know, yeah, yeah. let's talk. Meryl Streep. Yeah. I, d- I don't think that name is going to be... A surprise to anyone. I, I think no. they know who she is. Um, but yeah, it, it had all... I'd seen the trailer, seen the poster. I knew what it was based on. And yeah, it ticked so many boxes for me. Yeah. So I was like, you know, when Gary said, shall we, you know, Chris's choice for the podcast, let's give it a go. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a good choice. Uh, I liked it. Uh, beautiful gowns. <laughs> beautiful gowns. It was just missing something. And I don't know what. Mm. I, I, I really, I don't think I know what it is that it was missing. But it was, there was something that wasn't there. Uh, and yeah, it was just fine. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into yeah. it. And we, we might, we might be able to figure out why yeah. it didn't quite tick all those boxes for both of us. Yeah. But for me, I really felt like it was going to... Like, I was going to love it, love it, love it, yeah. love it, love it. And I was going to sit here and, and tell you why it's the best thing I've seen in a long time. And it didn't quite hit those marks. And we'll get into it. Yeah, so it's directed by Susan Seidelman, who did Smithereens, Desperately Seeking Susan, Sex and the City, some episodes. Uh, including the pilot. Yeah. Making Mr. Right, Cookie, Tales of Erotica, Musical Chairs, The Hot Flashes, and more. And she didn't realise that a highly regarded BBC adaptation had already been made uh, before she made this. Yeah, so um, it's based on a novel... Life and Loves of a She-Devil from 1983 by the not very well-known, but, you know, uh, British author Faye Weldon. I don't don't know why I said that as if it was some sort of surprise. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Faye Weldon's novel, Life and Loves of a She-Devil. And that was adapted uh, a few years prior, I think 80s, 1986, was it? Something like Maybe. that. Yeah. Um, into a mini series by the BBC. Really well regarded. We haven't seen it. No. So has Dennis Waterman and Patricia Hodge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really well regarded. Yeah, we actually got a tom- uh, comment on TikTok saying uh, that the mini series is way better. And um, spoiler alert, but one of my critiques is that we could do with more time with the material. Yeah. So. You know, that adds up. Yeah. This adaptation is written by Barry Strugatz, who did Married to the Mob from Other Worlds and Time Out. And also uh, co-written by Mark R. Burns, who also wrote Married to the Mob. Okay. And and I've not seen it. No. It's definitely high on our yeah, watch we'll list. The Jonathan Demi, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. film. Tina, um, Tina Weymouth's... Uh, in a letterbox top four. It was, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got all the main kings of something that I would really love. And I, I hate to keep going on about because I did enjoy the film. But I just think I loved Desperately Seeking Susan. Yeah. Loved Smithereens. Obviously, love Sex in the City and enjoyed the pilot, you know. Yeah. We'll dig into this Yeah, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go into the mystery. It, it certainly hasn't put me off uh, Susan Seidelman's films. I really want to watch no. her filmography. Yeah. Um, it's also nice to see a director that has more than, like, eight credits to her name. Because yes. it's often the case with female directors is that, you know, 
they don't get as many opportunities as male directors. And then if you want to go through a female director's filmography, unless you're looking at Agnes Varda, it's not going to take you very long. No, no. And so it's nice to see someone who's had a bit more of a prolific career. Yeah, and especially considering this film was a bit of a flop. That it was. It was made for $20 million and it made $15.4 million worldwide. Which is really... um. Confu- not confusing because it didn't get the best it got mixed mixed reviews it didn't get the best reviews but you have Meryl Streep yeah um, and you have another star who is at the height of their fame yeah you have Susan um, Seidelman who had directed Desperately Seeking Susan which was a huge mm-hmm. smash hit film um, I think after that she'd done Making Mr. Right, which wasn't as big. But that was such a success. I'm surprised this flopped. Yeah. I'll I'll talk, talk about that more when we discuss who's in the film. What else up next? In a section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. First up, uh, an actress who was criticised and questioned as to whether she could do comedy. Mm-hmm. Actress who was originally considered for the she devil character, but due to some uh, similarities with another film called A Cry in the Dark, she decided to play Mary Fisher. It's Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, star of Out of Africa, August, Osage County, Sophie's Choice, Into the Eight. This is her most well known. Is this her most well known? Yeah. Okay. Not, not she though, but what I just read out. No, are you doing it in order of most I promise you. From where? IMDb. IMDb, four most well known out of Africa, August, Osage County, Sophie's Choice, and Into the Woods. What she should be well known for <laughs> is her career defining performance in The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. Death Becomes Her, Little Women, The Deer Hunter, The Hours, and so many more that she's delivered 10 out of 10 performances. And I'm sure she was great in those other films. You know, Sophie's Choice. I'm certain she's phenomenal in that. But the fact that The Devil Wears Prada is not in that for is absolutely bizarre to me. And it's hilarious that people in the 80s are like, oh, can she do comedy? And she delivers one of the greatest comedy performances of the 2000s in that film. In what? Devil Wears Prada. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. No, she can. But up to, up until this point... Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So this Looking is, at it now from a 2023 yeah. uh, viewpoint, with where her career's gone, that's hilarious that they thought she could do comedy. Yeah, absolutely. But she was known as quite the serious actress. She'd won, you know, two Oscars. Yeah. Um, But she'd been nominated for The Deer Hunter, and she'd won for Kramer versus Kramer... She had been nominated for the French um, Lieutenant's Woman. Very serious yeah. roles. You um, know, Sophie's Choice, Silkwood, um, Out of Africa, Ironweed, A Cry in the Dark, you know. and a cry in the It dark. goes on. I'm it's... not sure, but but this is before she did. Yeah. So I can understand why there was a little, not criticism, but worry that mm. Meryl Streep may not be able to do comedy. Spoiler alert, she's the best thing about she the film. Is Absolutely, a thousand percent the best thing about this film. Yeah. She can do comedy. She can do glamour. And um, she she was the moment. Yeah. Whatever it is that Wendy Williams says. I always, I always mishear what she says. And someone who gives, for me, the weakest performance of the film, a very flat performance, um, which is... So convenient for us because she's a racist piece of shit. It's mm, Roseanne Barr it's Roseanne as Barr. Uh, Ruth Patchett. Star of Roseanne, of course. Uh, Look Who's Talking To. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Cecil B. Demented. Uh, the Woman Who Loved Alvis. Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. And more. So she says she wasn't happy at all to have been involved in this film. Because she got outshone. Yeah. I mean, Because clearly. she cannot be a leading lady in a film. And really disappointing for me to tell you that Kathy Bates, Bette Midler, Catherine O'Hara, Michelle Pfeiffer, Barbara Hershey, Jennifer Grey, Beverly D'Angelo, Rosie O'Donnell, Ali Sheedy, and Kathleen Turner were considered for this role. God damn. But chances of what this film could have been. Oh, And this is why I'm confused that the film didn't make money. Mm. Because Roseanne Barr was 
in the biggest show on television yeah. in 1989. The first two seasons, well, all of the seasons did really well. Mm. But season one of Roseanne was the second most watched film in America. Film? Uh, most watched <laughs> TV series. And it, this certainly wasn't. And in the second season, this was the uh, the series was the most watched. High, mm. the, you know, top of the Nielsen ratings for that year. So I don't understand why the, I'm going to say powerhouse couple of Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr didn't translate to box office. Yeah. And I think it is because the film wasn't very well received. No. It it is bizarre that she's the lead in this and her performance is just so nothing. It's because... It's just just very, you know, when you've got Meryl Streep who is going for it, she's really going for it. Oh, it just feels a little half-assed. Yeah, it it does because women to be clicking, you know, it's like yes, bitch, fucking slay that you're taking down this slime ball. You know, you're starting a company full of other empowering women. This is fantastic, but you're just kind of like, she did it. Yeah. But, okay. I <laughs> think it's because the tone of the film is so wild. Yeah. It, I just don't know what tone they're going for. Mm. And the Roseanne performance is so tonally different to Meryl's performance. They don't share the screen. No. Really that much. But it's so tonally different that it's confusing. Yeah. And I think it's Roseanne who misunderstood the assignment. Yeah. Um, what I am pleased with, with having Roseanne in the role and not Meryl Streep as it was meant to be. Yeah. Is that we didn't see Meryl in a fat suit. That's true. I just, if it's, you know, the the character is meant to be overweight Mm -hmm. and a lot of the actresses you just named are not actresses who are plus size. No. So it would have really left a sour note. And that would have been what the film was most well known for. That's what it would have been. You know, I'm thinking, because something like Shallow Hell, I've never seen Shallow Hell. No. Whatever message Shallow Hell is trying to give is completely ignored mm. the moment Gwyneth Paltrow is put in a fat suit. It completely. Yeah. Because that's all it is. And if it was it happened in this film, any message about female empowerment, because I do believe this is a feminist film. Oh, yeah. And the novel was definitely a feminist novel any sort of message this film gives would be completely ignored because Meryl Streep was in a fat suit. So if they got anything right with Roseanne Barr, it's that. Yeah. That's probably about it because I did not enjoy her performance. Ed Begley Jr. plays uh, Bob Patchett. He was in A Mighty Wind, Pineapple Express, Whatever Works, Best in Show, This is Spinal Tap, Hardcore. Um, Two separate films there, by the way. Not the... uh, Porn parody of This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> this is Spinal Tap and Hardcore. There you go. Cat People remake, Ghostbusters 2016, Batman Forever, Santa with Muscles, and more. In a, it's in a role that was... Uh, other actors considered for it were Jeff Daniels, Jeff Bridges, Harrison Ford, Richard Dreyfus, Charles Grodin, Robin Williams, Michael Douglas, Chevy Chase, Robert De Niro, and Steve Martin. And I can say, this casting director... With all those considerations, they knew what they were doing. Because, yeah. I mean, all of those would have suited this perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And I think Ed Beckley Jr. is a good fit yeah, for the role. Fine, yeah. He is tall and he's handsome. I, I can understand why Meryl would be attracted to him. Um, I think the idea of why he stayed with you know, the, the Roseanne character is a little outdated, but we'll get into that. Yeah. But I think he does a good job. You know, he was probably most famous for a TV series, St. Elsewhere. Mm. Um, I think that was during this period that was yeah. on TV. So they have a pretty famous face mm-hmm. to American audiences. To Americans, that is, yeah. Yeah. Linda Hunt plays Hooper. Yes. She was in The Year of Living Dangerously. Pocahontas, Kindergarten Cop, which I remember her from, mm-hmm. Silverado, uh, David Lynch's Dune, Solo, A Star Wars Story, The Relic, Popeye, and more. Yeah, Oscar winner, um, Linda Hunt. Love Linda Hunt. 
love her and I think she did an alright job. Yeah. She didn't have much to do in this, no. but yeah, I think she did a great job. Love Linda Hunt. And last from me, Sylvia Miles plays Francine Fisher. And she was in Midnight Cowboy, Wall Street, Evil Under the Sun, The Fun House, The Sentinel, Sex in the City, Mafia Kid, Heat, The Last Movie, Who Killed Mary, What's Her Name, and more. Love Sylvia Miles. Who was she in Sex in the City? She she was just a random uh, older lady who speaks to um, Carrie about ice cream okay. when it's raining. <laughs> she has to go into she goes into this diner that she's meant to represent old New York. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no love, Sylvia Miles. She's camp in this. She's. I. I really enjoyed her in this. I really enjoyed. I think her she in should this. have been given more screen time, to be honest. Absolutely. But nothing tops the high camp of her in the Sentinel. No, that's true. <laughs> that is true. But she's great. I love Sylvia Miles, and I loved her in this. Do you have any more? I don't really. Um, I feel like Doris Bellac, who who was also in the film, she looks like someone who was in Sex in the City. <laughs> I'm just looking at pictures now. Please excuse me. But there were so many people. I was like. They from Sex in the City, so it might just be a, a Sex in the City kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm in down that with case, uh, without any further ado, let's talk about our feature presentation. You look like an angel. Look like an angel. Walk like an angel. Walk like an angel. Talk like an angel. But I got wild. Someone get this deranged woman out of here. You're the devil. Justice serves those who serve themselves. That's your wife? It's too bad. You're the devil in the sky. Oh, yes, you are the devil in the sky. She devil. I put this hanky panky there. Yeah, so we open with a very camp soap opera-esque romantic credit roll that very quickly catches on fire. Yes. So this is very much a theme of the film. The pink potpourri stylings mm-hmm. of romance against the red, fiery vengeance yeah. of the she-devil, um, which I love, love, love. We have Ruth. Who is our she devil in question? Yes, she uh, gives us a little bit of narration. She narrates throughout she does. the film. Um, she says, "Some women are born beautiful. They make it look easy, but most women have to put a little time and effort into their appearance. And then there are those of us who need all the help we can get, like me. We then get a jump scare of a woman without makeup. <laughs> Whoa! It's Roseanne Barr without makeup. Ah, um, she does have this mole on her face." As well, which I don't—they don't make a joke of it actually, which I quite. But question for you now, before we go any further with this film, yes, do you think this is a satire of the treatment of convention, not conventionally attractive women who are overweight and dowdy in cinema, as well uh... as a satire on their slimeball husbands and the promiscuous women who seduces them because. For me, I do think it is. Yeah, I think I so. I feel like the jokes sometimes are so ridiculous to the point that the it's not played for straight comedy. It's it's. I think there's something underneath it. I think it is a satire it's, on those sort of relationships. Yeah, I think it's a definitely a satire. And I think the, the overarching theme of the film isn't necessarily Mary Fisher... Versus Ruth. And I will keep referring to her as Mary Fisher. Because the film does. Uh, Mary Fisher versus Ruth. I don't think that's the overarching theme of the film. The advertising, yes. Yeah. Um, But I do think it's man and women. Yeah. Yeah. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Yeah. Style thing. Um, The battle of the sexes, as, as you would say. Um, I think that's the overarching mm. theme and the idea of how women who are seen as not as conventionally attractive as others are treated. Um, but I also think it's how all women are treated because it's not too long until Mary Fisher 
beautiful, gorgeous, successful, rich, uh -huh. is treated exactly the same as Ruth is. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. And that's why the messages in the film really contradict themselves mm -hmm. by the time we reach the third act. Yeah, it gets confusing, particularly with the tone. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, the message does get very confusing because we are we are introduced to frumpy, overweight wife and mother, Ruth Patchett, uh, who desperately attempts to please her accountant husband, Bob, who is trying to boost his business. She tries on a few dresses at the mall that yeah. are a little too small for her, not really her style. Um, I'm not really sure what they're going with this because she, she wouldn't pick it out. Mm. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, at least have... You know, her try and wear something that isn't completely not her stuff. Uh -huh. You know, um, she gets pampered at the salon and watches a show on the glamorous romance novelist Mary Fisher. I'm gonna keep saying this. Yeah. I will say this from the beginning. Meryl Streep serves in this. She show. really does. Yeah, beauty, style, uh -huh. um, comedy, camp. Yeah. She knew the assignment. She signed up for it. She had something to prove. Yeah. Meryl Streep had something to prove on this film. And she was nominated for a Golden Globe. Mm -hmm. Which is the only nomination the film got. I was surprised it wasn't completely destroyed at the Razzies. It, it gives the energy of a film that they would it does. pick it does. on. Yeah. Um, but it's undeniable. Meryl Streep really gives it her all. Yeah. And we get this very British... Um, it's voiceover. Yeah. It's a lifestyles of the rich and famous. It's amusing that there's a thank you to Joan Collins and the end credits. Yes. Because, uh, <laughs> let's be honest here. It's, well, it's uh, Jackie Collins. Jackie Collins. Jackie yeah. Collins, yeah. Um, yeah, it does. The, uh, the voiceover on the TV show goes, Yet another magnificent miniseries based on the passionate prose of the reigning Royal Highness of Romance, Her Majesty Mary Fisher. At the tender age of 34, she has already penned over 30 novels. These steamy stories have sold in the millions, affording Mary a lifestyle even her wealthiest heroine would envy. Here, in her lavish Long Island palace, Mary lives in the lap of luxury. Um, during this interview, Mary says um, about her novels, that uh, what she thinks women find from her novels is they find a way to make their men feel important and comfortable so that he knows that he is the man, you know? So there's no confusion. I'm like, well, this is satire. This is, this yeah. is parody, obviously. Um, the narrator then goes on to say, Ever the faithful daughter, Mary is never too busy to visit with her mother, who convalesces in style at the Golden Twilight Rest Home. <laughs> I think the Mary Fisher character... I think why she is being critiqued is because she's a phony. Mm. I think because she seemingly lies about her age. Yes. Which I don't think is a bad thing. She does pull an Anastasia. She does. She lies about her age. She makes out as if she's the doting daughter mm -hmm. when she's not. She makes out like her romance... Uh, novels are based on her romantic side and her romance when really and I don't think it's a shameful thing the film seems to do but the problem is she's promiscuous in in the eyes yeah. of the, yeah. the film uh, she's promiscuous when she talks of romance so she can't be romantic mm -hmm. you know all that shit so that's why she's punished because she's deemed a phony, yeah, a fake. Which renders the message of the film pointless, because if you're going to be empowering to women, you need to be empowering to all women, and not just the ones who don't sleep around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And But then it becomes messy, because there's another character yeah. who seemingly sleeps around, who isn't deemed, you know, a bad person because of it. No. Um, after Bob and Ruth meet Mary Fisher at a party... And after Bob drives Mary home, they begin an affair. Um, she meets her at the party by spilling a drink over her and completely embarrasses herself. So clumsy. So clumsy. I do. Uh, I did like the dialogue where uh, Mary's like, oh, that's your wife? That's too bad. <laughs> and Bob's like, it's too late. That ship has already sailed. <laughs> um, 
the, 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 the dress isn't it isn't giving is no. it? it's it's unfortunate it's not giving and it, this could have been a critique on how society views women of a certain weight mm-hmm. um if she had maybe been unable to find anything yeah at all if we'd yeah. spent a little more time with that then it could have been interesting mm-hmm. Um, but seemingly she's just got no style or taste, no. you know, and I don't think that's what the point should be. No, is that she's not allowed to have style and taste because she is of a larger size. Yeah. And they don't go up to that size, you know? Mary's house is giving me life, by the way. Oh yeah. This may have been or should have been an influence on Barbie this uh-huh. year. <laughs> this house. <laughs> Maybe a little more. Um Pastel than yeah. Barbie was. Um, but yeah, um, Mary invites Bob back. Um, Bob says, I guess you have to have a very vivid imagination to write these romance novels, don't you? And she says, yes, I do. But I also do a lot of research. And then runs a hand up his inner thigh. Um, I love it. I yeah. love Meryl Streep doing this. And who knew Meryl Streep could do sexy? You know yeah. she's sexy, but who knew she could do it on yeah. screen and convey it? There's a difference. Garcia living with her. She's uh, got Garcia, yes. Flamboyant man with a poodle. And he, What's her poodle? It's her poodle. He's the butler. Yeah. And he's, he's seemingly fuming at the arrival of As, Bob. Yeah, I'm confused because I, I read homosexual, yeah. but apparently not. Garcia is Mary's butler who doesn't do a lot of butlering. No. Um, Probably does a lot of... Yes. In the pool and in the bedroom to uh, keep his job. (laughs) Um, There's also a scene which I found quite interesting in the supermarket where Ruth's daughter Nicolette reads from a magazine that the way to win your man back is through food. So she tries to put on this lavish meal Mm -hmm. for his parents. But I thought it was quite interesting that Nicolette read that in a magazine. Yeah. So it's young people are being told to conform Mm -hmm. to these gender roles. Yeah. The way to win your man back is to cook and clean and to make house. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I'm sure if it was a magazine for men, the way to win your woman back is fancy lingerie or just a bunch of flowers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Ruth is aware of of the affair. So she confronts Bob while his parents are visiting and she's cooked this lavish meal. Starting with cheese and crackers. Starting with cheese and crackers. She's burnt her clam puffs. She has. Falls flat on her face. And uh, what's in what's in the main meal? A gerbil, unfortunately. Yes. Um, yeah, her son... What's her son's name? You know, uh, Andy. Me. Andy. I always forget names of people who annoy me in films. Um, but Andy's gerbil has gone missing. Turns out it's roasted. It is. And... Uh, <laughs> Dinner's ruined. Have you ever had a clam puff? <laughs> I can't say I have. I, I, can't. I, I don't even know what that is. A clam, a clam puff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It sounds like a nickname I was given in school. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bob says, I'll never forgive you for being so rude to my parents. And it was quite interesting that Bob's mother actually defended Ruth a lot. Yeah. During this scene. And again, I feel like it's something that was really undeveloped. The idea is that Bob's father is probably a lot like Bob in many aspects. Yes, yeah. And that's why Bob's mother feels the need to defend Ruth Mm -hmm. a lot and to kind of try and help her. And the only one that actually gave a shit when she fell flat on her ass. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. But yeah, a lot of people are underdeveloped in this film. Yeah, yeah. Particularly Ruth, who Mm -hmm. now... Angry vows revenge on Bob and Mary. Realistically, could have just ended the film here because, I mean, Bob's a terrible person who treats her like shit. He's left her now. She's free of him. Great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. It's it's true. So it's... The idea... And what I gathered is that in the original novel, the, the idea... I haven't read the original novel, but I've read up on the original novel. Because um, I thought it'd be interesting to compare. Um, the original novel isn't necessarily about revenge. It's about envy. Yeah. So it's not Ruth trying to get revenge on 
Mary Fisher and Bob. It's about her being so envious uh-huh. of Mary Fisher that it's all consuming. Mm. And she becomes the she-devil. Yeah. And in trying to become Mary Fisher, she, you know, pretty much takes everything from Mary mm-hmm. Fisher. Um, which I think is more interesting. Yeah, not definitely. In this film, it reads more revenge. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's the intention, but that's how it reads. Mm-hmm. So, Bob... When he's um, having a go at Ruth after the gerbil incident, which I think would be quite a shock, actually. I, uh-huh. I don't think I'd be best pleased if someone served up, no matter how clumsy they are, you know. Yeah. You've just killed a gerbil, I'm, I'm fuming with you. But he gives his, because he's an accountant, he tells her off mm-hmm. in accounting terms. So he says that as a man, he has four basic assets. One, a home. That's his castle. Two, a family that is loving and devoted. Three, a successful career that he's worked very hard to maintain. And four, the freedom to enjoy the fruits of his labour. When it comes to liabilities, he only has one, and that's Ruth. And uh, he says, I'm not going to let you ruin everything I've worked so hard for. You're a bad mother, a lousy wife and a terrible cook. In fact, have you looked in a mirror recently? I don't even think you're a woman. Do you know what you are? You are a she-devil. Which I'm not sure what that, that's what a she-devil is. No. I don't think I'm that's not, a she-devil. Sure. I thought she... When I think she-devil, I think Elizabeth Turley... Elizabeth Turley? Excuse <laughs> me. Elizabeth Hurley in uh, Bedazzled. Yeah. Like, she-devil. Uh-huh. Like, she becomes a she-devil after everything. That's mm. what I assumed it was. Elizabeth Hurley is the devil. The right? devil. Yes, it's a she-devil. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's interesting, number one, that he's such a bore yeah. that he looks at everything in terms of accounting. Mm-hmm. And I work in it in accounts as well, and I know how dull what he just said was. <laughs> um, number two, how backwards that all is. Yeah. How old-fashioned mm-hmm. that is. The idea is that his assets, home, family, career, and his wife should be if she was um, a better mother and, and mm-hmm. wife. Um, I do think that's interesting, but she takes this. Yeah. And she takes this list, these as- these four assets, and vows to destroy him by destroying these four assets. Yeah. So with Bob away at Mary's and the kids at school... Uh, Roof, she uh, overloads the electricity of the house and destroys the house in a massive explosion. Yeah. A massive green screen explosion with Roseanne Barr stomping down the runway away from the house Uh (laughs) without a hair out of place. Yeah. Like this house has exploded. She's not that far from the house. It's camp. It's a sort of (laughs) camp. Not to affect her. Yeah. It's camp. It's a sort of high camp. Uh, I wanted from the entire film. Yes. Yeah. She sh- she should have really have been serving face and everything as she's stomping away yeah. from the house. Um, yeah. It, it's it's a partial serve. It's a partial serve. She leaves the kids with Mary and Bob and tells them that she will not be returning. Um, so Bob's second asset, his family, slowly deteriorates as Mary's Refusal to learn how to be a mother causes tension in her relationship with Bob and begins to interfere with her ability to write her newest romance novel. This is this is interesting because the idea is that she refuses to be a mother. And I think it's partially true. Mm. But I think she is kind of trying. But some people aren't wired that way. Yeah. And I think she's seen as the bad guy because she's unable to do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't, again, tonally, I don't know what they're going for with this Mary Fisher relationship with the kids. I mean, the kids are awful. The kids are fucking awful. You know, there's no denying that whatsoever. No. Um, So, I mean, good on her for refusing to put up with this shit. I mean, and not wanting to get along with them. I mean, you know, 
Nicolette sits around tying up the phone all day. Yeah. Uh, playing shite music. Um, Andy kills Mary's poodle by literally, sending it over a cliff. Yeah, literally kills her dog. Literally kills her dog. Um, you'd be fuming. Yeah, whilst Bob is in... And that happens whilst Bob's on the phone, telling her to try and be understanding with them because they've been through a lot. And whilst he's also making eyes with a woman in the car next to him. Yeah. And I think it's... And I don't know, maybe we're misreading it, but I'm reading it as we are meant to be judging Mary Fisher. Yeah. But I don't think that should be the point. No, it shouldn't. It's Bob's absence that should be the biggest part of this. Yes, again, empowering film to women should include the women who just don't want to be mothers. All facets of women, yeah. So Ruth takes a job at a nursing home under the pseudonym Vesta Rose, where she... (laughs) Whitney's sister. Where she befriends Francine, Mary's foul-mouthed estranged mother... And she arranges for her to return to Mary's life at an inopportune moment. So this is Sylvia Miles yeah. hamming it up. She is. Having fun. Um, and yeah, really, I, I love her performance. Ruth actually wakes up all of the residents by switching their medication for vitamins and caffeine. So the idea is that they're sedated. Uh-huh. And people are paying for their relatives to be sedated. Uh she says, she literally says, you know, um, Mary's mother has been asleep for too long. She needs waking up. Was there and something, is... there's something happened in the 80s with care homes? Because it seems to be a very 80s thing to have this joke that they're all like really dark and shady and... Shady pines. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> does something happen? <laughs> Maybe there was a story, I mean, stories come out all the time. Yeah. And I'm sure there are some lovely care homes out there. But it does kind of feel like, particularly in the 80s, mm-hmm. a lot of films were saying how awful care homes were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this change in medication, though, results in the residents playing football, English football, to a very late 80s version of I Will Survive. Yeah. It's a song by Sapphire. It is. And do we know any Sapphire I songs? I don't think so. Not, it's uh, S.A. hyphen fire. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Not Sapphire is in Oh, Sapphire is in the gem. Uh, <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Then I've got no idea then at all. Um, I think Mary's mum, she slut shames maybe more than anybody she, she else. Does. She does. She says about Mary, she says, oh, she's a slut. Bitch keeps me locked up in this dog pound all day, which she does. Yeah. Um, but pretends she's a loving and devoted daughter. Um, so as Mary is being interviewed for a piece by People magazine, her mother reveals, after she's um, turned up, she reveals embarrassing secrets about her that will effectively destroy her career later on. And she drops the bombshell at the dinner table as well when they're eating cream yeah. of watercress soup um, and reveals to Bob that Mary is definitely pulling Anastasia, uh, who lied about her age if you don't get the reference mm-hmm. uh, and is 41 rather than 32 um let's make something clear Meryl Streep does not look 41 no. and if you can tell people that you're 32 and they don't batter an eyelid I wouldn't have battered an eyelid no I would not I was not yeah good, good for you you know I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of <laughs> Um, she also reveals to People magazine that um, Mary gave birth to a son when she was a teenager and put him up for adoption, which is very dark. Mm. Um, there are moments of sort of dark humour, not as many as the novel, um, but this is particularly dark. Yeah. And I feel judgmental. Mm. Like Mary is a bad person. You because... feel judgmental. No, the film. Oh, you just I said, feel... I feel judgmental. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I feel like the moment is judgmental of yeah. Mary Fisher and the fact that she she had a son when she was 16 mm-hmm. and gave him up for adoption yeah. because she thought that would give him a better mm-hmm. life. And I feel like the film is judgmental of that. Yeah. Um, again, you know, a real tonal shift that I don't get. It doesn't... that. Particularly doesn't feel feminist to, to no, me. No, no. 
that judgment there. I, I don't know if that's the I think intention, it's, it's but where that's how it, it came across. Shows that although this is directed by a woman and based on a novel by a woman, this is written by two men. Mm. I think that's one important thing to remember in scenes like this. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like something could have been said there to not make it feel so icky. Um, but Ruth also meets Hooper, uh, Linda Hunt, a nurse who has worked for the nursing home for 22 years. And uh, she's put aside some earnings for, you know, because she doesn't have any outgoings. So she has a considerable amount of life savings. Though Ruth horrifies Hooper by secretly switching the senior citizen sedatives, as we explained earlier, um, she gains Hooper's trust by introducing her to desserts. She's never had a cake before in her life. <laughs> Apparently not. Um, green cake. I don't know what these cakes, why these cakes no. are green. Um, but they look nice enough. So I don't, and also, I, was it meant to be a visual gag of Roseanne Barr eating a cream cake? Yeah. Kind of sloppily. Potentially, I think so. Um, but Ruth says to uh, Hooper, I've been sorry my whole life. And from the looks of it, so have you. And I, li- I liked that line. I did I did like that mm. line. And the fact that, you know, Hooper hadn't dedicated her life to a husband. Yeah. But had dedicated her life to something that never dedicated its life to her. Yeah. And I think, and it's another interesting thing, the idea that a, a woman has to choose. Yeah. She either ded- dedicates her life to a career... Or she dedicates her life to a husband and family. Mm-hmm. And equally, they get treated like shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, something else which I feel like could have been, could have been mm-hmm. developed a lot more. Oh, definitely. This friendship definitely. between them and what that really meant. Yeah. You know, that's such a good line. I've been yeah. sorry my whole life. And from the looks of it, so have you. Yeah. Such a good line. I just wish they could have took that further and mm-hmm. really... Gave that message because you know I'm assuming that's what the message is. That's yeah. how I interpreted yeah. it. But it's She Devil from 1989. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to necessarily read between the lines no. so much. No, definitely not. Um, although I do like layers. I'm, I'm such a hypocrite. So after Ruth is fired from the home for dumping water on Francine's bed to frame her as a bedwetter. And to prevent her return, she and who perform a partnership and start an employment agency for downtrodden women who have been rejected by society and need a second chance. Yeah, something that's put to the side completely once it's done. Because she uses it to get back at Bob. Mm. I want to know more about the agency. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's very First Wives Club. Yeah. Um, she does seem to set it up solely for the purpose of getting back at Bob. Yep. But you have these empowering moments. Um, you know, the, the sisters are doing it for themselves yeah. kind of moments. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there's an advert which I like with Hooper, Linda Hunt at the forefront saying, feeling useless, think you have nothing to offer, were you voted less least likely to succeed, then you're just the person we're looking for. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. I wish there was more dedicated to this mm-hmm. and this idea and, you know, bringing women up, empowering yeah. women. Yes, as a way to get back at your husband. But Ruth could have learned a lesson on mm-hmm. the way, like they do in First Wives Club. Um, spoiler alert, a better film. <laughs> um Mrs. Fisher is refused, obviously, to be allowed back to the retirement home. Because she is known as a bedwetter. Mm-hmm. I don't really get why this is a running joke. Again, it's this weird care home joke that just runs throughout the 80s as a whole. Like, don't, so, so because you wet your bed, you're not allowed to the, be in the care yes. home. I mean, then what is it a care home for? You know? Yeah, so the joke is that the, the manager at the care home is so against these, um, I was going to say inmates. <laughs> Um, these residents mm. so against these residents wetting the bed yeah. that at the first sign of a bed being wet she chucks them out yeah so Mrs Fisher is now officially dismissed from yeah. the retirement home 
the, the manager, she says that incontinence is more than an inconvenience mm-hmm. when she's on the phone to Mary Fisher. And uh, interestingly, she does have a good point. She says, your mother doesn't need nursing. She needs TLC. To which Mary Fisher replies, what's that, a new drug? <laughs> um. So, again, you know, Mary Fisher is... And this is kind of true, you know. She shouldn't be putting her mother mm-hmm. in a care home where she's sedated 24-7. No. No. You know, she should be, you know, providing her mother with TLC and looking after her, despite her mother, you know, not being the nicest. Yeah. <laughs> um, Olivia, an attractive but ditzy young blonde, applies to the agency, and she's hired as Bob's secretary, where she starts sleeping, uh, where he starts sleeping with her at the office. So, uh, Olivia, she... Yeah, she's the quintessential ditzy blonde. Yeah. You know, the stereotype you see in Taylor's oldest time, all of history, <laughs> ditzy mm-hmm. blonde. Um, but Ruth automatically assumes that Olivia is going to sleep with Bob. Yeah. That's what annoyed me. Now, Olivia does, mm-hmm. okay? She does. But Ruth, from the get-go, is perfect. Perfect for Bob's secretary. He's definitely going to sleep yeah, with her. Yeah. The idea is Olivia is, you know, definitely easy or slutty mm-hmm. or any of those words that they throw out. Um, that she's definitely going to sleep with Bob. That's what annoys yeah. me. Yeah. No, it does. It does happen, but it, it just like mm, okay, they could have done this a little different. Definitely. And obviously we look at things from... This was, you know, 1989. Mm-hmm. I do understand things were different back then. And if they made... And I would love them to do a version of She-Devil Now. Oh, yeah. But if they did She-Devil Now, it would be a lot different. You wouldn't have mm-hmm. these moments. But, you know, we are allowed to critique a film from that perspective if we don't think that's in keeping with the message of the film. Yeah. You know? Um Ruth says, Olivia was too good to be true. She'd give Mary Fisher a dose of her own medicine. And uh, Mary's new novel is loosely based on her romance with Bob, but her publisher, Paula, considers it strange and off-putting, as there is a chapter about laundry, which is meant to be a metaphor. Um, Quite interesting, Mary says to her publisher, she says, women always get stuck with the laundry. My readers will relate. Uh Uh-huh. but the publisher doesn't like Bob as the name no. of the husband. <laughs> um, but it's true. Women always get stuck with the laundry. Yeah. Her readers will relate. Yeah. And, you know, they don't. But I would have liked to have seen them actually do. I'd be like, yeah. this does speak I to me. I thought that might have been where it was going. Yeah. No. It'd be like, it is, you know, because Bob, Bob tells her that he thinks it's going to be shit as mm-hmm. well. Um, the publishers think tell her that she thinks it's going to be shit. But what I would have liked to have maybe seen is the book really take yeah. off and women start relating on another level to her writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Because um, she, by all accounts, she is a great writer and very successful. Mm-hmm. That's why she's got this beautiful mansion. That's why she's a slay queen. That's why yeah. she's killing it. Um. But Mary becomes lonely and desperate at night whilst Bob's having his affair with Olivia. And Bob rebuffs her advances. Rufa narrates, sad Mary Fisher. She's learnt that men who burn so hot for a mistress call out fast when the mistress starts acting like a wife. And there you go. There is your, yeah. there is your theme. This is what this film is about. This is, you know, it's man and woman, mm-hmm. men versus women. And I think, I wish it kind of would have stuck to this a lot more and maybe had a little more sympathy for Mary Fisher. Mary Fisher gets a happy ending in the end. Yeah, to us. To us. To us she does. Um, in the film's eyes, I kind of feel like it's trying to say that Bob gets a better ending than she does. I think, yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, because it is interesting. So when Olivia proclaims her love for Bob uh, at Ruth's suggestion, he immediately dumps and fires her. 
Olivia reveals to Ruth that Bob is a fraudster who cons money out of his clients by skimming interest off their accounts, then transferring it to his offshore account in Switzerland. Olivia and Ruth hack Bob's computer to conduct a gigantic embezzlement, then report this to the IRS. Yes. Um, yeah, this is interesting. I don't know, I suppose in the novel, from what I gather, um, this this does happen, but Bob is actually innocent. Mm-hmm. And Ruth, as the she-devil, creates this as yeah. her punishment to Bob and in a way for her to get money from all of it as well. So it's a means to an end. This is purely for revenge on Bob and maybe it just makes it a little easier, the fact that he's already doing it because mm. Ruth can't be seen as an anti-hero. No. Um, in that respect. But yeah, so he, he's he been stealing money. He's a twat. He's a piece of shit. We already knew that mm-hmm. anyway. So Ruth also mails pictures from the office photocopier of Bob sleeping with Olivia. <laughs> well, it's... Um, they n- <laughs> I thought this was quite funny, actually. Because it's the old school bomb on the photocopier. Uh-huh. Um, cleavage on the photocopier. But it's Bob's ring uh-huh. <laughs> that gives him away. When Ma- when Mary open Mary Fisher opens the uh, letter from after- Ruth. <laughs> well, she opens it after doing such an unsuccessful book signing in the shopping mall. Oh, yeah. When no one arrives. When no one arrives, no one's interested in Mary. Which I, I still... I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Mm. But even if Stephen King had a flop, yeah, I still think people would. Which I'm sure he has. Which he has. I'm sure. I mean, the man people would still be made maximum overdrive <laughs> the film. But book wise, novel wise, yeah. if people didn't quite enjoy it, I still feel people would flock to him if yeah. he was at a mall. If he was down the road at the Arndale here, mm-hmm. even if he'd written the biggest piece of shite, yeah. I still think we would go, oh my God, Stephen King's down the road, you know? Yeah, it's definitely paid for a gag, though. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, So, intent on regaining control of her life, Mary forces her mother and Bob's children to behave, then throws an elegant party with her friends. She gives Nicolette a well-deserved slap. It's a really uncomfortable scene where she's getting really close and personal with Garcia whilst they're dancing. It's like, okay, Nicolette looks like she's about 10. Nicolette, yeah, Nicolette's age is never given. I'm assuming they're meant to be at school. They never yeah. go to school, but I'm assuming they're meant to be of school age, high school or whatever. Um, but Nicolette, she keeps stealing Mary's clothes mm. and makeup. And she keeps putting on a, a ton of makeup, even for the 80s, a lot of yeah. makeup. Um, yeah, and then the, the dancer with Gus is strange. And what's his name? Andy? Yeah. Andy's drinking and he ends up vomiting and... They're pieces of shit. Yeah. And but it's a very... It's a great scene. It is. It's cause... a great scene because, you know, as much as it starts off on a sour note, you know, uh, Mary taking back control of her life is like, yes, this is what we want. This yeah. is it. Yeah, it is. And she tells, they tells, she tells them about themselves. Yeah. You know, she says, I'm taking back control of my life, Bob. As Gives long as you're all... Yeah. As long as you're all under my roof, things will be done my way starting now. Yeah. And I, again, I wish more was yeah, because that kind of goes nowhere. This it does kind of go nowhere. Um, because the next thing is during the party, the state troopers appear with a warrant for Bob's arrest. Uh, Mary's mother maniacally bids Bobby farewell. <laughs> bye bye, Bobby. Bye bye. <laughs> um, Bob's lawyer bribes a corrupt male judge to ensure a favorable verdict and unknowingly informs Mary that Bob has been stealing from her account as well, causing her to leave Bob and sell her mansion. So this whole, I'm taking control of my life back, um, you know, if you're, if I'm feeding, clothing, putting a roof over your head, if you're bleeding me dry emotionally and financially, bitch, you better abide by my rules. Mm -hmm. All that was literally one scene. Yeah. And I think that's disappointing. Um, so a woman who gained employment as a court clerk via Ruth's agency repays Ruth by reassigning Bob's case to an unbiased female judge. 
Bob is convicted of embezzlement and sentenced to 10 months in prison, thus destroying his fourth and final asset, his freedom. As Bob is taken away, he realises that his greed, selfishness and infidelity towards Ruth, beautiful, have left him with nothing. Um, yeah. So he was going to get away with it, scot-free, with the white, rich white guy. Yeah. Because his rich white guy lawyer knew the rich white guy judge and mm-hmm. they went golfing together. And again, you know, it, it's a satire. It's a play on corruptness. Corruptness? Yeah. Yeah, corruptness, that's a word. Yeah. yeah. Tell me if corruptness isn't a word. <laughs> corruption. There corruption. We go. Yeah, so it's a play on corruption, that 80s thing. Um, Ruth narrates, poor Bob. I almost felt sorry for him. Almost. Funnily enough, in prison, Bob burns his lasagna, much to the other inmates' annoyance. So it's a bit taste of his own medicine yeah. there. And uh, 16 months later, Ruth and her children visit a greatly reformed Bob, who is now on considerably more amicable terms with Ruth following their divorce, and looking forward to catching up with his children after his upcoming release from prison. He even says that he can uh, cook them dinner. Yeah. What a reformed character. And this is where... Actually, no, we'll wait. We'll wait. Yeah. So Ruth concludes that although people can change, as Bob has, not everyone does so. Mary has revived her career by becoming a more serious author and is at a book signing about a new tell-all book where she signs a book for Ruth but does not recognise her. Next in line after Ruth is a man who Mary clearly tries to flirt with, indicating she has not completely changed her ways. The film ends with Ruth smiling as she walks down a busy street in Manhattan accompanied by women from her firm. So this is where it becomes hypocritical for me. Yes. Because this is a film about empowering women. It's a feminist film. But then in the end the way Ruth talks about Mary because she, just because she forgot who she was moving on with her life and because she flirts with uh, another man, that means she's still, she's a terrible person. But yeah, Bob is a reformed character because he cooked a meal in prison. Yeah. Like the same man who constantly cheated on everyone he was with, you know, committed fraud. He's a reformed character now. Mary isn't, and that's bad for Mary. And what what the fuck's that message? This that's... is I do really don't get it because okay, so Bob's reformed character, what he's treating women like human beings because he's going to cook one dinner. Yeah, you know all is well with Bob, but Mary Fisher has to change everything that mm-hmm. she's about. Yeah, um, she sells the mansion, she dresses. Dowdy, I'm not going to lie, Dowdy, she's not serving in the last scene when she's no. talking to Sally Jesse Raphael. Um, and she's not completely reformed because she still likes to flirt with men. Yes, Mary Fisher was well aware that Bob was married. Mary Fisher is not a perfect character. You know, we're, mm-hmm. not, we're not defending the fact that she slept with a married man. You know, that's not on. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, she's not married. She's not married, but knowing that somebody is married and sleeping with them is, you know, morally wrong. Yeah, you know, unless you know, whatever. Let's not get into that. Just it's morally (laughs) wrong. This is what the film's trying to tell us. It's morally wrong. Bob is morally wrong for cheating on his wife. Okay, that's it. Bob only has to go to prison, and he's reformed. Yeah. Whereas Mary Fisher seemingly has to change everything about herself. Mm-hmm. Why is she not allowed to be a romance novelist? Yeah. Why is that so terrible? Why is she not allowed she to would serve? Serve. That she would enjoy serving. Yeah. That she would enjoy having sex. You yeah. know, hopefully not with married men. Mm-hmm. Um, but why is she not allowed to enjoy that? Why yeah. is she not allowed to enjoy her pastel? Paradise yeah. by the sea. Why is she not allowed to enjoy that? She has to become serious at yeah. the end. Oh, she's a serious author now. Therefore, her life's better. Yeah. No, fuck off. Yeah. People enjoy romance novels. 
People mm-hmm. in love stuff, shit like that. Yeah. It sells in bucket loads. Yeah. You know, why is that? Why is she not allowed to be that kind of mm. girl? Yeah. That's she-devil. That is she-devil. <laughs> yeah, it's just fine. If I feel like there's such a better film to be made there. And, and I mean, spoiler alert, it's called The First Wives Club. But, you know... I think even by modern standards, you know, something could be done with that book. I think there, you know, there is a message there to be told. Yeah. Um, but just not like this. I don't want to spoil the book, and I think maybe the miniseries sticks more to the book. Yeah. But the book is a lot darker. Yeah. Um, particularly the ending. Mm-hmm. The, the ending is not the same as She Devil the film. No. Uh, it's much darker, much more satirical. Um. Obviously, they've made it into a light comedy yeah. of, you know, Meryl Streep versus Roseanne Barr. Mm-hmm. Why that didn't sell, I don't know. Yeah. Because I still ate it up. I'm, I was still excited to watch this yeah. film. I still think fundamentally there is a good film here. Mm. I think there are so many aspects that are great shit that I really enjoy but I think it's messy it's mm. messy and I just yeah. I can't forgive that yeah I can't forgive it because tonally it's completely out there but I don't want to shit on it too much because there are some really great aspects yeah. and I probably will watch it again yeah for certain moments should we get to the awards yes biggest queen I mean it's gonna be Mary Mary Fisher it's definitely Mary Fisher. She she just served. Yeah. You know, and she made one mistake. Yeah. But she was just as much of a victim of, of Bob. Yeah. As Ruth was in the uh-huh. end. Um, yeah. yeah. I definitely. thought they were going to team up, but, you know, apparently not. I was hoping they were going to team up. Biggest gasp. I have Andy killing Mary's dog. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is true, actually. I went with Saucy Meryl Streep. <laughs> just... Seeing her being a sort of very sexual character and doing it so well and the comedy, I thought it was, you know, I was like, Meryl, I've never seen this side of you. Uh, best dialogue. I have, uh, I'm taking back control of my life, Bob. As long as you're all under my roof, things will be done my way, starting now. And it's not so much the dialogue, it's more the delivery. Yes. Yeah, I will say one thing and I've said it before, I will keep saying it, watch this film purely for Meryl Streep's yeah. performance. It is really, in my opinion, one of her best. Yeah. I l- fucking loved it. It's the best thing. Um, I went with best dialogue. Women always get stuck with laundry. My readers can relate. Yeah. I just, I just thought it was very interesting, and, and it in some way encapsulates what the film should have been about. Yeah. And that's camp. I've got Mary's mansion, clothes, and career. Yes, absolutely. It's giving Barbie. It is. It's giving. Yeah. yeah, it's giving Barbie. And I do think we, you know, I, 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 I don't know if it's true, but maybe some aspects of this went into Barbie. Yeah, maybe if you know Greta Gerwig had seen She Devil, yeah. the character of Mary Fisher, and the dealing with. You know, Battle of the Sexes. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think it's a terrible companion piece. No. Um, I think if She Devil, I think if this had been a better film, it could have been on par with something like Barbie. Yeah. In its message and the fun factor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would love, I'm saying it now, if, if Greta Gerwig ever listens to the <laughs> podcast, please, please do She Devil. Yeah. Please, I reckon, and and make it darker. Make it, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be completely light and bright and mm-hmm. Barbie esque. You know, make it look. But I reckon she would do a fantastic job. Sure. She devil. Ratings, I give it six burnt clam puffs out of ten. <laughs> I gave it seven. Hashtag justice for Mary Fishers out of ten. Yes. Uh, masterpiece, trash piece, trash basic or a camp or a bunch of fun. Ah, oh, basic. It's bordering on basic, I thought. I think there were campy moments. Mm. Yeah. And it's a little bit too basic. Yeah. It's very disappointing. It's available on Amazon Prime and Video On Demand. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out First Wives Club. Oh. 
love that film so much, definitely. Um, if you want to see Meryl Streep deliver comedy and glamour, again, watch Death Becomes Her. Yeah. Love that film so much. And then I think, again, they're quite a good pairing. You know, the battle of the sexes, yeah. Yeah. the women, way women are seen in society. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if uh, if you want to tell us some comparisons to the TV show or the book or your thoughts on the film, we're Horrible Trash over on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok and Horrible Trash on Twitter. I'm Dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. And if you are a filmmaker and you want to submit your new horror film to our film festival, Gasp, then head over to Gasp Horror Festival on all social media. Wait, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes for if you enjoyed the episode, like a follow and everything else. Next week, well, before next week, actually, this Friday, we'll be giving you this month's original versus remake where we'll be discussing Invaders from Mars. Ooh. And next week, we will begin five weeks at Freddy's with. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 Dream Warriors Yes What a Classic Spoiler alert It's a masterpiece Yeah Go back To our First ever Original versus Remake episode If you want to hear us Discuss the first Nightmare on Elm Street And it's remake And head back to This year's Pride Month episodes If you want to hear us Discuss part 2 In advance Because then For October We're going to be Giving you the whole Fucking franchise very, very, very exciting. Perfect yes. for spooky season. Yes. So we'll be back same time, same place on Friday. Bye.